as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you're listening to this. We are live uh, on or at, I should say, theschmidtshow.com if you want to remember that. Put it in your bookmarks. Save it reading list, whatever you got to do so uh, you don't forget. We're live. We broadcast live every week, um, Monday mornings, 10 o'clock. And uh, <laughs> I'm seeing things on our on our Freenode chat room here that I'm not paying close enough attention to. I should probably be a little more uh, attentive to that. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. I want to say a quick, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Chris. Uh, that was kind of cool this week. Getting to meet him, we've got a uh, we've got a new uh, Patreon su- supporter, so we're up to three. And uh, anyway, this is the Schmidt Show. I'm your host, Brad Schmidt, and Noah Chalaya is joining me this morning from from uh, the Ask Noah Show. Good morning, Noah. Hey, man, thanks for having me. How are you doing? Hey, pretty good. So I've got a great story. Before we get okay. into before we get into the show today, we're gonna the the title of this episode is triggered. Because we're going to be talking about, we're going to get some, we're going to get some folks triggered. It's not bad that I, I, uh, that's my amusement in life, is it? When people, uh, no, no, okay, no. When I, when I watch people get triggered on the left and they freak out. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. I so last week I talked with uh, Dr. Arnold Kling. He is, uh, he's an economist who is actually, I was not introduced, but I was, uh, how do you, I guess introduced. Became familiar with him. Um, yeah, Paul Jones was the one that that uh, got me interested in, oh, sure. or, or or turned me on to Doctor Kling. And Paul Jones talked a lot about some of the social justice warrior stuff and and some of the social justice movement stuff. So we're going to get into that today. But the other reason today is called triggered is last night I play guitar for my church's worship team. And so every Sunday night, me and another guitar player, he's actually a full-time pilot for some airline. And so when he's in town, he plays with us as well. And so when he's there, we've kind of started this tradition because the way our, where our church is, it's situated in a, in, in a mall. And so we walk off down the, the mall over to the local Kmart. Okay. And we usually grab ourselves a drink and a candy bar or whatever in between practice and the actual service starting. Sure. So last night, as per our tradition, we head off down to the Kmart store at the other end of the mall. Okay. And as we, it's kind of a weird deal. You have to actually go outside and then back into Kmart because they have the mall entrance closed off on Sundays for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I suppose security or something. I, sure. Who knows? Whatever. So as we're walking outside, I see this guy coming at us. And it's obvious that he is not entirely um, sober, <laughs> let's oh. say it that way, or um, clean. Well, uh, so there's a, and there's I don't a, mean bar, there's a bar like, down there yeah, but by it, the store. Um, and he was coming towards the bar, so he oh, wasn't leaving the bar. Okay. And, and when I say clean, I'm not talking like he was dirty. I'm yeah. like clean like he was, he was severely yeah. inebriated right. with uh, 
I, if I had to guess, having been a former addict myself and having mm-hmm. been clean now for 22, 23 years, whatever it's been, um, he was he was under the influence of multiple chemicals. Okay. It was fairly obvious that some of these or one of these things was something that you um, ingest through your nose. Oh. Um I'm I, I'm not entirely certain what he was on. If I had to guess, like say, having been an addict myself, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, he was he was tweaking um, on meth, and he was probably drunk at the same time. <laughs> and so he walks up to us and and says something. It doesn't make any sense. I can't understand what he's saying. So first of all, to to put this in a little bit of perspective, we live in Grand Forks, North Dakota, right. And there is a, I wouldn't say a significant, but there is a, there is certainly a, a it's there, prevalent. Yeah, there's a, there's a population of Somalian Americans. Right. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Well, there's that too, but <laughs> so there is a, there's a population of Somalian Americans, and this gentleman obviously was Somalian American. Yeah, I think the appropriate culturally appropriate term is uh, new Americans. New Americans. Yeah, so there's new Americans. So here. he was a Somalian American. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a Somalian American and and I, I can't understand a word he's saying, not because of the language barrier, but because the guy is so out of it. Mm-hmm. And if, I, I finally put together, he says, I'm a Republican. Oh, oh, oh. Do you want to kill me? <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. Didn't kill him or didn't want to? Didn't want to. Oh, okay. Um, Did you tell him? But- the the moment he got a little bit closer, last night was the closest I have ever been to drawing down on somebody. Really, you were that? I, you were yeah, that? You were I, that so I I carry I yeah. carry um, pretty much everywhere I go. I carry in church. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> as as Noah and I <laughs> are both, uh, yeah, I carry. Oh, we're coming back yeah, up. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Back up. Well, you got to be you got to be loaded, locked and loaded and ready yeah, to go. I, I top off too. I carry one in, with one in the chamber. Um, so <laughs> So, anyway, so this guy says he says he says, "Are you he says, "Do you want to kill me?" Well, the, as he walked up, I it just instinct. Yeah, oh, I yeah. reached into because I carry at night. I usually I have I like my I've got a Walther PPQ that is like my favorite right. pistol ever. But when yes. I carry, especially at church, I carry a smaller subcompact. I carry a little Ruger LCP three eighty. Yeah, but just out of instinct, I reached into my pocket. And yeah, the put, fastest gun is the one that's in your hand. Yeah, I reached into my pocket and had my hand on the gun, and I, like I said, I couldn't understand what he was talking about. It, right. it was just. So he's he says something. I said I, I said I, you have to say that again. I didn't get. I didn't hear you. And he gets a little bit closer, and his nose is running, and it's like really bad. He, it was yeah. obvious that he was not all there. And so he did. He said something again. I couldn't understand. It. I said I said I'm sorry, man. We got to go. We've got to get back because we're you know we we're just getting a quick drink, and then we got to yeah. get back. We're gonna get our Jesus on. Right. Yeah. So we we turn and start to walk away. Mm-hmm. And as we walk away, I get probably three or four feet away, and I hear, hey! And I'm thinking, this is bad. Yeah. Like, I started to panic a little bit. Yeah. And I reached and turned, and just, I turned and was just about get ready to draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking, yep. I this was is, thinking yeah. this was a hey, 
not to get my attention, right. but a hey to turn me around. Right. And so I, as I turn, I start to draw and had, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the way out yep. off of the, you know, cause I've got a little clip on it and turn around and he says, I need a light. <laughs> you almost got and, lit, bro. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I reholstered, you know, I wasn't all the way out, yeah, but yeah. I, I reholstered. And said, "Sorry, man, I don't have a light." And we yeah. turned and walked away, and that was it. But quickly, hopefully, that was that was the closest I have ever come to ever drawing my handgun. And I'm telling you, the the um, the adrenaline rush and yeah. Oh, yeah. like uh, every like I could feel my hair growing. Oh, sure, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting night last night. So triggered, <laughs> literally almost triggered last <laughs> night. Um, I and I don't mean to make light of this because this is something that I've 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 talked about on my terrestrial show quite a bit, my terrestrial radio show quite a bit, and I'll tell you the the. Um, we just talked about a lot of things. Are we talking about new Americans, Somalian Americans, meth addicts? Well, the drawing the whole people? drawing the weapon oh, okay. thing right, that like you. like I don't ever want to take that lightly because right. that's like that is the. For me, I, I, I've told this story quite a few times on my on my Tressor show, but I was involved in an accident way back in 1995, a car accident. It was my okay. fault. Somebody died. And so I understand. I know what it feels like for my actions, accidental though they were. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like. I understand the emotions and the stress and all of the stuff that comes along with knowing that your actions oh. caused someone else's death. You know, that's an interesting parallel because – it's you didn't and you you wished that somebody hadn't died at, like it wasn't your intention to take someone's life and right. yet circumstances resulted in you being responsible for, someone's for someone death, else's death which would be yeah. the exact same thing if you ended up having to shoot somebody right. it's not that you went out wanting somebody to die right circumstances presented themselves such that you it had no choice but to take a life right and so so like say that is never something i want to take lightly so mm-hmm. I, I know we're kind of laughing about it because the story's funny because it did turn out Right. That yeah. nothing happened. It was it was fine. Yeah. But the like the intensity of of I mean all of that was that was like say that was the closest I've ever come to drawing a weapon and So let me ask you something if I can. Yeah. Um so let's say you pull out your firearm. When do you make the decision that you're going to deploy lethal force? Um I've in my mind I've made that decision before I ever drew. Yeah, see me too. See, I, and I get a lot of crap for that. So a lot of people tell me they'll say, "So wait, once you when, once you've decided to pull the gun out, then that means that uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that means that, uh, that then 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 you then you're going to execute somebody no matter what." It's like, well, it's not no matter what. It's just that it's not a negotiation tool. Right. right, it's a it's a it's a it's a deadly weapon, and so we don't even t- we don't even touch it. We don't even take it out right. until we've decided that it's appropriate to use lethal force. Because right. once you take it out, you better be ready to use it. And so I suppose if, as in your draw stroke, I suppose if the guy threw his hand straight up, dropped to his knees, was like, "Don't you?" You know, yeah, I right. Of you, course. I suppose if yep. you were really, really like, if you really worked at it to convince me that I'm no longer a threat. But just so we're clear, like we've already crossed the threshold. Where I think that there is no way that I get out of this situation without grave bodily injury or death if I don't use lethal force. Right. So that that's where we're at now. So you gotta you have to drag me back across that line. Right. And that's you know? and that's exactly and that's that that's exactly it. So the the illustration. I put my hand on my gun a lot. Yeah. So the yeah. I do too. I yeah. it, it just it's 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 a it's an instinct thing. But it's it's there's I've never felt like 
I've I've done that before, or I've actually just stood in a crowd with my hand. Oh yeah, on it. Sure. Just being alert, yeah. but I've never actually started the draw motion. And last night I actually started the draw motion, and and thinking, I want to be prepared. Right. But so the illustration that you're talking about, the idea of if if I'm drawing my weapon, right. I've already made that decision. So yep. last night, if this guy had. If if I did feel like I had needed to draw, because we were right. there was probably eight feet of separation, eight to ten feet yep. of separation between us when he shouted at us, yeah, and I turned. Um, so so as I turned, if he had been coming at me, oh yeah, you're dead with a white with a weapon or, or right. a knife or something like that, I would have drawn and fired. Are you familiar with the Tuller drill? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So for, for anybody that's not essentially what happened was there was a gentleman in New York City, and um, there was a, he was attacked with a knife and ended up shooting the guy that attacked him. And uh, later, a expert analysis went back and based on security footage and the measurements, determined that the man with the gun that defended himself was less than three quarters of a second away. From being stabbed and with the size of the knife and the ferociousness of the attacker would likely not have survived the incident. And so the expert concluded that he was three quarters of a second away from losing his life. Right. Later in court, the judge asked him at the time that you pulled the trigger, were you aware that you were three quarters of a second away from losing losing your life? And the man who defended himself said, no, of course not. I I knew I was being attacked. I the expert analysis later proved what I knew to be true what i believe to be true yeah to be true but no i didn't know and the judge said because you did not know that you were three quarters of a second away from losing your life it did not factor into your decision to deploy lethal force and that man is spending the rest of his life in jail in new york state Mm. so a a a a a police i believe a police chief or maybe as a sheriff in utah by the name of dennis tuller said well i wonder where is the distance where's the threshold where is the threshold yeah and so he started with he took he lined all of his guys up 100 feet out and right. gave them rubber knives and said charge me. And we know roughly that it takes 2 to 3 seconds to for a bullet to take effect it's like medicine because right. essentially it results in blood loss. And so we know that we we already start with 3 seconds. And so we then he started to measure how long does it take for the average male at a full running at a dead standstill how long does it take him to close 100 feet and 75 feet and then 50 feet and what they eventually concluded was 21 feet is the distance in which any reasonable, any person of average ability can close the distance in less time than it would take you to draw and fire your weapon. Not That totally eliminates the fact that bullets take some time to work. Right. Just getting the gun out and putting bullets on target right. will take longer than the average, the 2.3 seconds, which is what the average male can close 21 feet. Yeah. And that drill is now cited in every class. And I tell all my students, some fireman instructor, I tell all my students, if you're ever in court and the judge looks at you and says, were you aware that you, you say, absolutely, that man was within 21 feet, 21 feet and Dennis Tuller proved that the average male can close the distance 21 feet in yeah. 2.3 seconds. So I knew without a shadow of a doubt that my life was in grave bodily injury yeah. death because he had a knife and he was within 21 feet. And this guy, this guy was, was well, much, was yeah, much closer that. than, than 21 feet. And so, so anyway, so my thought being, if, if I had turned and drawn mm-hmm. and he was coming at me. Yeah. Um, you know, my thought is if he stops, I'm not pulling the trigger. Right. Yes. 
If he stops, I'm not pulling the trigger. Right. If he keeps coming, right. I'm pulling the trigger. Right. It, so there is got the amount of time that it takes to get the sights on target to right. stop. Exactly. Yeah. So th- I mean, that's my that's my thought process. Is is uh, the last thing I would ever want to do is actually pull that trigger. Right. So, but at the same time, like you said, it's not a negotiation tool. No. This is this is because th- that's I think where a lot of these guys get in trouble. They get into road rate incident or, oh, sure. or whatever, and they think, well, I'll, my gun. I'll pull the gun out, yeah. and hopefully that will diffuse the situation. I'll show him what a big man I am. Right. Or or even the person who's being sensible says, maybe if I show this guy who's being the jerk, if the, if I show this guy that I have the ability to to use enough force to yeah. to end this conversation, right. maybe he will back down. Right. That's not what it's for. Are you familiar with Kimber Life Act? I've heard of it. So, so this is a really cool product from Kimber Firearms, actually. Okay. And what it is, it looks like a, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it looks like a gun. It kind of looks like a gun, but it's clearly not when you look at it. Right. Um, and what it is, it actually has two gel capsules with uh, capsaicin in it. So it's oh. essentially pepper spray, but it's a gel. Right. It's right. So it fires so it up. sticks. It, yes. It fires a projectile of sorts that when it hits the target, then explodes. And it's got two shots. Uh, it's called Kimber Life Act, and uh, essentially you would use it just like you would use a firearm, but instead of putting bullets downrange, it puts food seasoning downrange. Mm. And that is exactly the tool that I have in my car with me all the time that I use as what you're talking about. If I have, when I get those road rage incidents and you get, you know, right. had people come up to the car, I've had, you know, I don't, I'm not shooting that person because I'm in a vehicle. I can drive away if I need to. But at the same time, maybe they have something to say or maybe something falling off my car. I don't know. Right. Um, and so, the, but the life act is in my hand because and they're cheap. Yeah, you know, they're cheap. They're 30, 40 bucks, something like that. They got them on, they got them on. Oh, that's just the holster. They're, they're, they're not, yeah, they're about 40 bucks on, yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. They're not, uh, it, it's, it's certainly not expensive, but it, it looks like a little firearm. Uh, they have it in two forms. They have it in a palm form that you can kind of hold. Right. And then they've got what I have, which is like, it looks, it looks like a little like mini, a mini pistol. But yeah, but quite. it's red and definitely yeah. wouldn't be right. confused yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but to me, that's great because the thing is, the threshold for me pepper spraying somebody is much vastly lower. lower. Right. right, exactly. Yeah. If I even think that I'm about to get into a you know a, a, a physical fight, even if I don't think there's grave bodily injury or death, I would, I'd feel comfortable to playing pepper spray because yeah. at the end of the day, they can just go wa- wash it off, you know? Right. Um. But yeah, Kimber Life Act, that's my answer to those road rage incidents is, oh, I'll just do that. I like that. Looks like I'm going to be getting on Amazon as soon as the show's over today. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that was my story. That was the, I, I, and I didn't tell you about that before we went live right. uh, intentionally because I want to get your reaction to that. But I I genuinely, um, like I said, I, I, that was the closest I'd ever come to, to actually feeling like this might be a situation where I'm going to draw my weapon. And so this is, people ask me all the time, why do you carry? What are you so afraid of? And the answer is, and I don't mean this in a macho way. The answer is nothing. Right. There's, I'm not afraid of anything yeah. because if I need to, I am prepared. And so, and here's the other thing. I, my wife, I bought my wife. She has a concealed carry permit and, mm-hmm. and bought her a, a, a little Ruger LCP as well with a, a concealed carry purse that she can carry it. And have her hand on it, because here's the thing: my wife is is my wife is tall. She's five eight, mm-hmm. five nine, um, but she's not a big big woman, and she's mm-hmm. not a a particularly um, athletic or physically fit woman. She's not overweight or anything like that. But she is. She's just. She's a. 
she's a typical woman. She's yep. a girly girl. Sure. You know, she's not strong and athletic and mm-hmm. over, you know, she's not Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Right. So someone even like me, who's also not strong and physically fit, I'm yeah. five, I am five ten and, and, you know, 190 pounds soaking wet. I'm yeah. not, I'm not Conor McGregor. I'm not, you're not a, you know, you're, you're not, you're not a huge guy but at the same time. You're not right. weakling either. I well, mean, but I could you do for a living. I could easily overpower my wife. Yeah, right, you know, right, and right, yeah. and and there are not there are not many men who could not. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, so so her for her that handgun is a is a force is multiplier. A, yeah, it's a, well, it's a it's a a field leveler. Mm-hmm. It now puts my wife up against you know Arnold Schwarzenegger or Conor McGregor right. or the toughest guy you've ever met. Yeah, turns out we all bleed. Right, and it's and and no matter how tough they are in the movies, you know, you put you put a few rounds of a of a 9mm short through the chest of of even Shaquille O'Neal. Right. And he's going down. Yeah. You know, so it it's it becomes a it becomes a way for her to level the playing field and put her in a position to no longer be a victim. Right. You know. So, yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, that's my thoughts. It's, it's, uh, it was a, it was a pretty intense situation and I was glad that it ended the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. And and the guy stumbled off down the street to uh, wherever he went and maybe overdosed or whatever he did. Yeah. Well, let's hope that didn't happen. The the best example of good tactical training is never having to use it in the first place. Right. So the preparation that allows you to kind of get away from that situation safely means that. Well, good, and yeah. and the fact that I've 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 I'm a weirdo. I've rehearsed those experiences in my mind. Good, you know what would I do? I would be hugely afraid for you carrying a firearm around if you hadn't rehearsed yeah. those. Yeah, in your I've mind. I've rehearsed those situations. What would I do in in and not not exactly that situation, but right. you know, I, I think through this kind of stuff. And like even when I go into a coffee shop, I'm looking around. You know, is there anybody in here that looks sketchy? Is there? You know, do you find the exits? I do. I yeah. usually do. Yeah. I there it kind of depends I think if I'm if I'm if I'm just running in for a quick cup of coffee or something yeah. and leaving and it's a building I'm not maybe familiar with. Sure. Maybe not, but if I'm going to be spending any time in that room at all, I'm looking for at least an exit or somewhere that I can find a a vantage point yeah. in in so I'm, I'm if, if it's ever necessary. I'm weird this way. Anytime I go out to eat, I, w- I always like to sit in the booth that faces the door. Mm-hmm. Like I like to see the exit. Yeah. I like to see the door. I like to see who's coming and going. The only That's really time, super weird. The only time I don't is it depends on who I'm with because you and I have gotten to know each other. Yeah. If I if I sit down in a restaurant with you, mm-hmm. I don't mind having my back to the door because right. I know you're yeah, I'll looking. Shoot him. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I know. I for one, I know you're carrying. Right. And for two, I know that you're paying attention to that kind where, of stuff. Where was it? Where 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 we were somewhere? And I and uh, I don't remember where we were. And you said, oh, I wish I, I wish I was carrying. I said, Oh, don't worry, I got you. I don't. I don't. Oh, remember. I was. I we. It was. We went out to coffee the other week. I was in a hurry and I ran out the door because I was on the phone with customer service and ran out the door and forgot. I left my handgun in my in in my bedroom. Oh, okay. And 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 I said, Oh, I said I, I forgot. <laughs> I left this morning in a hurry. I forgot my handgun. And you said, ah, it's, Not a problem. Yeah, you're fine. So the other, I've got a buddy, uh, another friend that same way. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mind. You know with him because I know he's always caring and also always paying attention. So anyway, so the, the moral of the story here is if, uh, if you ever see a group of us out for, uh, for dinner and wings, <laughs> chances are that's not the table you'd like to come with yeah. because four, maybe five of us all are carrying a firearm. 
<laughs> so time. yeah, if you're ever in a restaurant with me, chances mm-hmm. are you're safe. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, you'll be protected in in the in the event that that uh, the, and I, and I, the I, stuff hits the fan. You know, I want to be clear about it too. Like, you know, I don't, I don't. I, it's not my responsibility to protect anyone else, nor would I look because the, the reality is, what I tell all my students and what I would publicly say here on the air is that. My job is to protect myself and my family mm-hmm. and to be a good witness for the police if anything else happens. Right. right? That's my job. Because like one of the examples that um, that I've used in a class is you see some guy in jeans and, uh, and a, you know, and, a, and, a, and what, what were they called? The white uh, little. Oh, the wife beater. Yeah. But I was trying to think there's got to the be. A, yeah, there's got to be a more appropriate. Name. We'll call it a tank top. So and he throws this um, skanky looking woman on the on the ground and and starts tying her hands up. And you shoot that guy? No. Good, because you would have shot an undercover police that was arresting a prostitute, you know? Right. So it's it's like you don't always know the situation. So sometimes, you know, the best thing you can do is just be a good witness. Yeah. At the same time, I just, I, I can't help but ask myself, because like you say, you mentally rehearse some of the stuff in your head. And there was a, in Grand Forks, there was a shooting in Walmart um, a couple of years back. Yeah. At a time... I'm always in Walmart around midnight, 1 a.m. I pick things up. That's when I like to shop because nobody else shops there. Right. And this guy just walks in and starts shooting guns down the front door guy who was, you know, who I happen to know and was a very nice guy, a yeah. farmer. And, uh, and you know, shot a couple other people. A bullet mark is still on the floor. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a really deep reminder. And I, I struggle with the question of could I actually live up to what I tell everybody else to do? Could I actually hunker down and be a good witness? Or would the temptation to end the situation, because I know I have the capability, the skills, and the equipment in the situation, yeah. would I be able to just sit there while a bunch of innocent people are being slaughtered? Yeah. I don't know that I'd be able to do here, that. I'd here, like to think I could. For me, um, I, I don't think I could. I yeah, would. There's, you can't put a price on having to live with yourself. No, I would. That it's just it's my personality. I would. You know, I'm the guy that's going to run. If I hear if I hear gunfire, right. I'm running towards it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out what I can do. Even even if I'm not armed. Um, I will die trying, and and, and, and people that say, "Oh, you think you're so macho and tough no, it's guy. not about that. No, it's it's yeah. it's not about that. Is is I can't sleep at night, right? It, it it's simply a matter of if I don't try. Um, I, for one, I can't sleep at night, but two, I I could not look my wife and my kids right, exactly. in the eye and say I let people die because I refuse to act. You know, what I think part of that, and and not to get too off of the politics or guns because i have a feeling right. that's gonna that's gonna play into it but i i, I feel like our faith plays a deep role it in does that. because the thing is like not to say my life on earth isn't valuable but it's just not the most valuable thing right. i guess to me and yeah. so it if it ends a couple of years earlier but yeah. i died because i knew i was doing what i needed to be doing that's almost better to me i just meet my yeah. my father earlier right so here's and here's where this ties into politics that particular thought process or position um the the i have been called hateful i've been called a bigot i've been called a racist i've been called it because of my position on on just about anything i've been called all kinds of of names and you're pretty bad phobes and ists and all kinds of things and and the truth is my faith informs me that greater love has no man Mm mm-hmm than one who would lay down his life for his friends. Sure. And I would take that to, I'll do it for a stranger. Mm-hmm. Because the, the so 
we went to this weekend, my son and my wife and I went to go see um, First Man. Okay. Neil Armstrong's yep. story. And and my son asked me, he said, you know, back in that time, you know, everybody was USA, USA. And I said, well, you know, and he noticed some of the, because they, they portrayed some of it as, you know, it's happening at the same time in Vietnam, right. a lot of the protests right. and stuff. And yep. so my son asked, you know, did, why was, you know, and, and some of those questions and, and was it really worth it? Cause that was one of the questions that was asked of Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin and some of these other guys was, is it, was it worth the cost? Like so, the monetary cost? Well, the, the monetary cost, the people cost, you know, cause a lot of people died in the Apollo missions, right? That, you know, in testing and, and all this. And so He's, you know, he said that question was asked. He said, do, what do you think? Do you think it was worth it? I said, look, if I'm Neil Armstrong, if I'm Buzz Aldrin, if I'm, uh, I think it was Stephen Lee, Gus White, you know, some of these guys that actually did die in, in the Apollo missions. Right. If I'm those guys, absolutely. It's worth the cost. Yeah. Absolutely. It's worth the cost because look at what has been developed since then because what of other this. country has done it. Right. Well, and look at what's, look at what we have as a nation. You know, think of the things that. How many lives do you believe have been saved because of GPS? Oh yeah, oh for sure. You know, and, and we don't think of it that way because we think, <laughs> oh, GPS helps me get to my local, you know, grocery right. store or takes me on a road trip. But GPS was originally used as a military tool. Yeah. And and how many American soldiers' lives were saved because of GPS? How many? How many? how many lives have been changed because of cell phone technology mm-hmm. and, and all these things, the, the incredible advancements that we have because of the space program, because these right. men were willing to lay down their lives and take that risk. And so, yeah, the, 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 in the end, the, the cost to me was worth it. And I told my son, I said, if it was me, absolutely. I, I, I would I would never have even hesitated. If I were given that opportunity mm-hmm. and go, hey, look, there's a there's a you know a fair possibility you might not make it back. Yeah. In fact, you see, and they they address this in the movie, and it's it's true that there was a statement that was written by the president. Yeah. If it didn't that go. if it if they didn't make it. Yeah. You know, hey, they're going to stay on the moon, and unfortunately, it, you know, they're not going to make it back. Right. And that's too bad, but. They knew what they signed up for, essentially. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's you know, I, I just I'll play devil's advocate with you for just a moment. Okay, I, I would like to hear from the wives. Mm. Do they think it's worth it? I'd like to hear from the kids. Would that's the kids, a good question. Would, because the thing is, if you think about it, you know, we say the funeral is not for the de- dead; it's for the living, right? And so, of course, if you think about it, naturally speaking, the person who loses their his or her life, granted, dying in space would be a pretty unpleasant way to go, but. It, at least your the suffering is instant is more or less instantaneous. Maybe stretches out over a couple of minutes and then you're dead. Right. But the wives or the or the children the suffering yeah, they faces they have to they have to live for the next 30, 20, 30 years. Yeah. You know, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah. Oh, that is a good question. I it, I'm sure at some point that Neil Armstrong's family and and the wives and the the children of these other astronauts have been interviewed oh i'm and sure had to have been well, asked and that i mean question. if you think about it i mean the reality is are you are you going to be the wife that says that you wanted to not have your husband be the first man on the moon? like the yeah the opportunity there is i mean a hundred years from now 
500 years from now, Neil Armstrong will always be the first guy on the moon. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and so and there's I'm not really giving any spoilers because we I mean the the movie is based on history. Right. Yeah, we exactly. know how we it, know how it we ends. know I knew I knew how it ended going into the movie, but there is a scene where where Neil Armstrong's wife uh, is te- he's packing and getting ready to leave for the the trip on Apollo 11, and she essentially tells him, "You need to get in there and talk to your kids." And he says, well, they're already asleep. It's too late. And she said, no, it's not. You need to tell them that you might not make it back. Mm-hmm. She never says, don't go. Yeah. She never says, eh, come on. I'm not sure that, you know, I want my husband to stay. Right. She says, this is your job to let them know right. that you might not be back. Yep. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, Triggered is today's uh, title. Based on my interesting experience last night, but also on a few other uh, topics of the day uh, or the weekend, I should say. Um, one of them being, and, and no, I know you know this one because we've talked about it, you and I, a little bit. Um, there was a woman in, I think this is in New York, um, at, a, at a deli or something. I think it was in Brooklyn. Yeah, it was in Brooklyn at a deli. Um, this woman... Klein, I don't know what her first name is. Um, she claims that she was sexually assaulted by a nine-year-old. Girl. Oh, that story! It's hashtag Me Too, and there is as I as I read this story, and I haven't watched the video because, from what I understand, the video just shows that the video shows that there's a nine-year-old with a backpack that is walking through a store, and his backpack bumps the backside of this woman like he's got like he's got one thing in his right hand and his left hand is on the other side of his torso right so he's kind of he's kind of sitting almost at a 45 degree angle to the woman and and so his backpack is is directly behind me i mean it would take it would take an you'd have to be a body contortionist right to be able to reach her butt and 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 here's the thing let's just say for the sake of argument mm-hmm. that he did do it Right. right, we know that he didn't because that's right. what the video we have shows. video evidence. It's, yeah, it's a, a totally out of the question he did it. But let's just say that he did. Can you not rise to the level of I'm an adult and that is a nine year old child? It's not sexual assault. It's inappropriate behavior. Right, right? there's a that difference. needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. Right. So you might you. Might, I'm not saying she shouldn't have turned around and said, "Hey, you know this." Whoa, is, you know, whoa. Well, and here's and you know what? Yeah. What I would have the, the really if you think about it, the most adult appropriate thing would probably be to pull the parent aside. And say, listen, this is what I think happened. And so, you know, when you get a chance, could you please talk to your kid about and let the parent decide how to bring that up or whatever. But the the absolute most that should have ever been is she should have turned around and and just told the kid directly, hey, this is what I think you did. And when the kid said, no, I didn't, she'd say, well, you know, this is not appropriate. You shouldn't do this. But to stand outside and call 911 and demand that the police arrest a nine year old child. Well, and and the thing is, she then. She doubled down with the crazy. Oh yeah, she like, do, she's still doing right. interviews. Yeah, she she doubled down with the crazy. She claimed that she was a police officer. Right. This is after the footage comes out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Claimed that she was a police officer and then denies that she said it, mm-hmm. which they have video evidence of it. Right. And and this is this is this will actually tie into another story we're going to talk about today. But this is this is why this is exactly why it's people like this that damaged the credibility of Dr. Blasey Ford, that damaged the credibility of any 
Hollywood actress that comes out and says, I was uh, assaulted by Harvey Weinstein or, right. or whatever. This, your wife, your daughter, your sister, in, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the, the event that they have actually been assaulted and have a genuine true story of, of molestation or, or whatever, mm -hmm. it's people like this. Who who claim to be or, or who are trying to be some feminist hero that destroys the credibility of women who have genuinely been victims and have genuinely been um, assaulted and 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 this is why when we watch these Dr. Blasey Ford hearings and the Kavanaugh testimony and the things like that, if this is me, if this is my son. Mm -hmm. And I'm interviewed about this, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm on the news, or I have to stand before a court. I'm going to show a little bit of rage. I'm going to show a little bit of of frustration, and my voice is going to get higher, mm -hmm. and I'm going to yell a little bit, and I'm going to point fingers, and I'm going to pound the desk a little bit because this kind of thing infuriates me. So, One because it because my my son has been falsely accused. Mm -hmm. Two, because now if my daughter ever is assaulted, your stupid yeah, accusation right. limits and, and diminishes her actual victimhood. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm going to get a little angry. I'm going to get a little loud. And, and it's why so many people look at Kavanaugh and go, well, yeah, you can't really blame him for getting a little upset, right? Mm -hmm. So- in fact, that's what the police look for. If you go into a, if they if they bring you in and question you about a crime, and you sit there and you're like, nope, I uh, didn't do that. They they find that suspicious. Yeah. They'll say, you know, if if you actually didn't do this, you'd be really upset that you're being falsely accused. So yeah. they actually expect people that are yeah. are not, you know, and so that we know that to be accurate. But the the uh, the thing that bothers me so much is the fact that we the the well actually it's kind of funny because the, you're seeing the left actually eat itself because on one hand you have yes. the group you have the group of the believe all women crowds but then you've also got these black lives matter people that are saying there is there is a a disproportionate amount of white people that are calling the police over nothing on black people not that it should matter but this child was a black child oh was he okay yeah. so now you've got one hand. There's you've got. I, I'm watching this happen because I'm friends with more leftists than I am rightists, which I, I actually appreciate because <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I get a, an enlightened opinion. And half of them are upset that this stupid white woman uh, called the police on this poor innocent black child. And then you've got the other half of them that go, "Yeah, she was actually assaulted. Doesn't matter what the camera say. Doesn't matter what the kid says. If she says she was assaulted, we have to believe, believe all women, right? Believe all women." And both are equally stupid because right. on one hand. Race has nothing to do with sexual assault. Nothing to do with right. sexual assault. Doesn't matter if he's a black child. Doesn't yeah, matter the, if she's white. Right. Doesn't matter if they're both white. Doesn't matter. If he did it, then it's it's wrong. And if he didn't do it, then it's not wrong. Then that, well, yeah. And on the other side of it, no, we don't believe all women. All women should be hurt. Exactly. And then if credible evidence is, is presented, then we believe yeah. the women that have presented credible evidence. Right. And that and that's really that's really the argument in, in all of this is is when you're t and I like the way you said it, it's it's a matter that all women need to be heard. Right. It, it's it's tell your story. Yep. And then because we have to address this from a legal perspective, because in the end, that's all that matters. Right. You know, yes. look, your your personal uh, victimization 
and your mental state and all of that kind of stuff matters, but it only matters after the court case. It only matters to you and to your therapist. Right. It only matters to how you go about moving on from a traumatic event. In in the meantime, before we get there, the only thing that matters is the evidence. Mm-hmm. Now, your your emotional state lends, as you said earlier, to mm-hmm. the credibility sure. of of the charge, um, and and lends to uh, you know helping us you know determine a motive and and all of those sorts of things. But in the end, the only thing that matters to the court, and the only thing that matters to making sure bad guy goes to jail are the facts and the evidence. Mm-hmm. And if the facts and the evidence are not on your side, it, it again, doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. I mean, that's, the, the, do you, you, obviously, you may mean, well, maybe not. As I say, do you remember the O.J. Simpson trial? Were you oh, old yeah. enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my parents you're a little bit it. younger than me. I, don't. I am, but my parents followed it religiously. And okay. then as I got older, because it was kind of the first publicized court case that I ever saw, right. then I really, really started to dig into it when I got older. So I'm actually pretty pretty intimately familiar so, with that case. So Marsha Clark, the the attorney that, the prosecuting attorney mm-hmm. that, or the, the lead prosecutor in that case- after it was all said and done, after he was acquitted of of the charges and and OJ was set free, Marsha Clark and I was I've been, I've tried to find this interview and I can't I can't find it anywhere mm-hmm. I can't find the video of it but I saw it it was on CNN or, mm-hmm. or one of these you know whatever I don't know if Fox News was around yet at that time I don't think it was but it was on one of the twenty four hour news stations and they asked her you know about the about the verdict and she said look he was found not guilty. That doesn't mean he didn't do it. Right. And I don't remember the, you know, I don't remember the. Only you and God know if you're innocent. Right. And yep. I, I don't know, I don't know what the actual quote was, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was found, he was found not guilty, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he didn't do it. Right. And, and that, that is the, the case. Like I said, with this Dr. Blasey Ford and the Kavanaugh thing, I'm convinced something happened to Dr. Ford. Mm-hmm. I think we all are. Yeah, I think I think everybody believes something happened to her. She didn't spend money to go to a therapist in 2012 over nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and even if she's blowing it out of proportion and she's yeah. making it out to yeah. be more than it really was or yeah. whatever, something happened. Yep. I don't believe Kavanaugh had anything to do with it because the evidence doesn't suggest that that's the case. However, the evidence does seem to suggest that something happened to her in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Whatever that was, so the the that kind of then, like I said, brings us to the next discussion. Um, I found an article uh, written by a woman named Amy Swearer. I think that's how you pronounce it, anyway. S W E A R E R. Um, she is a legal policy analyst at the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation, mm-hmm. and she says this article. Let's see, this article was written on the tenth of October, so last week. She said, almost one year ago today, I wrote about my own experiences with the Me Too and asked everyone refrain from immediately and callously dismissing the men and women who come forward to share their stories. I said, we should listen, and we should. She goes on. She said, but I also explicitly said there was a time and a place to talk about false accusations and the excesses of hashtag Me Too. I never implied the act of listening with compassion and meant unquestioningly, unquestioningly believing all women without rational analysis and evidence. I certainly never demanded that the world take my own story at face value just because I have a uterus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that is at the, the heart of all of this. And I think this is where 
the validity of your claims was determined by your genitals? Yeah, exactly. Because if I if I get if you get to do that as a female, I get to do that as a male. You have right. to believe all men because there's been a lot of men that have been falsely accused over the years. What's the uh, what's the quote from the, you? You recommended a great documentary to me. I can't think of the name of it. But the Red it, Pill. The Red Pill, and they they talk about the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And so if the distance from point A to point B is exactly the same as point B to point A, then logically speaking, if if it works where we have to believe all women, then you would also have to believe all men. Right. Yeah, you do. And, and, and because there have been a lot of men that have been falsely accused, you just have to believe all men simply because he has a penis. Right. We, neither of the by right. the way we're being facetious neither of those things make any exactly, sense whatsoever right. and then and that's the whole point is is it is so absurd if i were to say hey you have to just believe all men because they're men it's absurd it, i mean the, the laughable nature of a statement like that is <laughs> is is so absurd but yet for some reason we have this this mindset and i think people are kind of figuring out that go wait a second I, I know some women, and they're deceitful, lying, conniving, you know, whatever word you want to label them. And broomstick bees. Yeah, and I I don't I don't believe her. So does that mean then I don't believe any women? Because that's right. the implied that's the implied discussion. It's either believe all women mm-hmm. or don't believe any women. That's that's yeah, that's that, the implied discussion. If you don't believe all women, then you don't believe any. And that's a, just as absurd as anything that's, else. That's a tactic of the left, though. Right? right. You, you, you see that a lot. They, they take the polar extremes, right? Right. If you, if, you, if you don't believe in central planning, then you believe in nihilism. And right. you, there's no middle ground. Either we have government health care or everybody dies. Right. If you don't believe all women, then nobody can be believed in. All the rapists go free. Yeah. Yeah, and if we don't have legalized abortion, then millions of women will die in the alleys, right. you know, stabbing themselves in the uterus with a, or, with or, a or, coat Or they would also have you believe that, you know, 75% of women that go just to have a, hosp- a baby in a hospital, they'll yeah. all uh, they'll fall over dead because, yeah. Yeah. you know, right. you never know what complications you might run into. Right. So so anyway, so the, the absurdity of, of a claim that says believe all women is just as absurd as don't believe any women. Because I know women personally that have been victims of, you know, one form of sexual victimization mm-hmm, or another. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a regular caller to my show, my terrestrial radio show, mm-hmm. that has has told her story. She was abused, and that is absolutely a hundred percent believer, because she's never said anything to to make me disbelieve her, and. The story that she has makes sense. It, it it the details line up. You know, there there's a there's a level mm-hmm. of believability to it. Do you think part of it is that there's she doesn't have anything on the line? You know, like so for example, right? She what, has nothing to gain by telling exactly, the story, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that's part of what bothers me about a lot of this is if you really are concerned about like. In, in, in Blasey Ford's case, if you're really concerned about Kavanaugh, why not speak up long before he came for like there to me is a difference like the, the, the whole uh, Me Too movement. It seems like, well, we don't want to go. We don't want to believe women or the, the claim is that they don't want to believe women because they keep coming forward and just nobody wants to listen to them. And I guess the problem that I have with that is uh, oftentimes it seems like they wait 20, 30, 40, 
50 years until the most absolute convenient time before they they step forward. And, you know, I don't remember if it was you we were having this conversation, you know, there were senators and congressmen that were going, man, hope they never go back to my past in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who, you're not the same person at 18 years old that you yeah. are at 30. And that's not well, to say that anything Brett Kavanaugh did. I'm not saying that that right. you know, justifies it, but but you're just not the same person. But And there there is a fair discussion there because there I have a story in my own life um, of inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of it. I was 15 or 16 years old, and I, I behaved inappropriately. Mm-hmm. And it was handled through my parents and the parents of the other person involved in this situation. Mm -hmm. And we are to this day, uh, friends We're I say, well, I should say acquaintances. Mm -hmm. We just, we haven't, I mean, I grew up, moved away. They grew up, moved away. Sure. Problem solved. Right. Um, but there was, there was an experience and it was absolutely a hundred percent inappropriate behavior on my part. And I never had any intention of actually victimizing anyone or causing anyone harm. Mm-hmm. But this other person was concerned that it was, that mm-hmm. there was. We sat down, we talked about it, we dealt with it. And even the question was asked, do we need to get you know, the authorities involved? And we came to the determination that, that it wasn't that there was no need for that. And and so, you know, here I am 30 years later, 25 years later, whatever it was. And, you know, I mean, if, if that story were ever to be presented in a public forum, that's going to be an, embar- yeah, that's going to be an embarrassing it'd be, it'd be, story. It'd be embarrassing. Maybe the difference here is you, you're admitting that that happened, right? Right. And so to a certain degree, it lends a certain amount of credibility to Brett Kavanaugh, the fact that he could have just said, yeah, I did that and it was stupid and I apologize. And obviously it never happened again because right. I changed and I learned from that experience. Right. But yeah, it happened and it was done. And that would have been the end. Of it. Well, what more are they going to do? He admitted it. What more do you want him to do? Right. Um, the fact that he continued to deny it all the way to the end and drug him and his family through that, yeah. you know, says something. There's a... a, 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 a um, a TED talk, and I, I shot you a link in, in Telegram, maybe throw it in the show notes, but oh, yeah. it is a talk about a, it is a talk from a rapist and the woman that he raped. Mm. And together? The, together. Ooh. They both speak together. And the thing that they did was they went, look, a bad thing happened. Both of us acknowledge that I did the wrong thing. So what is the best way to move forward? Is the best way to send, it'd be one thing if he said, you know, you're just a, you're, you're a piece of meat and I did, I had my way with you and now, right. now, you know, whatever, right? That guy, he's a dirtbag, he belongs in jail. Super, re, super remorseful, super, he felt horrible about what he did and, 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 you know, he had a conversation with her and they, they talked about it and said, listen, going to jail doesn't solve any problems. Going to jail just you know, really it eats up, it destroys right. this guy's life. And, and not that he doesn't deserve to be in jail because what he did is a horrible, disgusting, despicable act, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually help anything. And so they decided together that the, the, the thing that they can do is go out and talk to other people and educate and educate. And the thing is that is, if you think about it, how much more credible can you get? The fact that both of them, he has nothing to, there's no reason for him not to admit everything in all of its gruesome detail of what he did. Right. Because there is no, there is no, um, there's no punishment per se, but the 
the the upside of that is that both of them can go forward and say, if you're in this situation, don't make these decisions because what seems like no big deal now, what seems like just drunken sex can turn out to be a horrible, horrific act when after the, the alcohol wears off. And, and it's just an absolutely fantastic, yeah. fantastic presentation. I will, I will, I will definitely watch that. So anyway, all of this to say the, the idea behind the believe all women stuff, it, it's just gotta, we've got to stop the, the, we've got to get back to a point where we're saying, I like what you said. And I've said it myself is all women need to be hurt. They need to right. be allowed to tell their story. Yep. And that story, if if it's a if it's a true story, they will not have a problem with the the details of that story being verified, so that they will be vindicated. They yep. will be proven true, accurate, whatever. Um, and so uh, that is, I, I think, where we and these are the founding principles of our nation, right? I mean, this is this is there has to be evidentiary proof right that this that or the other thing happened even in the declaration of independence they said hey the king has done these terrible things to us here they are here's the listing and here's the proof and here's what we're doing going to do because of it mm-hmm. you know the, even the very declaration of independence the thing that we said to the king mm-hmm. was we're out of here here's why yeah and here's the proof that's our exit interview. yeah yeah you know and so and so the that is literally one of the most foundational principles of the nation and and I believe one of the most found foundational principles of any republic mm-hmm. and 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 it's exactly why and I don't have time to get into this discussion but it's exactly why we live in a republic and not a democracy right and why we why democracy a democracy is, is so dangerous democracy yeah. true pure democracy is a lynch mob True democracy is two pedophiles and a mother debating the age of consent. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. the The idea of a a true democracy is is sadly nothing more mm-hmm. than a lynch mob. We live in a republic. We in the United States, we are a republic, mm-hmm. and that means the rule of law rules. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if ninety nine people want to lynch a guy. Well, then. Ninety-nine people choose, and they, yeah, yeah they, oh, they, in a democracy, yeah, in, in yeah. a pure democracy, ninety-nine people lynch a guy, they get what they want, right? In a republic, says no, nope, lynching's illegal. It doesn't matter if ninety-nine of you want to lynch this guy. The rule of law says he goes up to a fair trial, and then his punishment is determined if he's found to be guilty. Notice, democracy only goes as far as, it, as far as the left is concerned, democracy only applies when it is applied to situations that they approve of, right? right? If we took, if we wanted to say, listen, guns are democracy, so if we all decide that we can have uh, fully automatic weapons, then we're just going to do away with the NFA, they would never, the left would never stand for that, right? right? If we all decided that we could just all have suppressors, they would never stand for that. Right. But because it's democracy in the form of, well, we wanted Hillary Clinton to be president, now all of a sudden we don't care. And you see all of these people, they come up on social media with these stupid, stupid things with, uh, you know, this is how with the concentration of population in California, and this is the population in North Dakota, and they both have two senators. Well, yeah, idiot. That's the, the way it laws, was designed. The laws, the federal laws affect equally the amount of people in North Dakota as in California. We don't get a break. It's not like if we say, well... 
you know, the federal government is going to impose a, you know, a 15% tax for, you know, healthcare, whatever, uh, across the states. It's not like in North Dakota because we have less people that all of a sudden, which now that knocks down from 15% to 10%, my income is affected 15% whether I'm in North Dakota or California. It right. affects us all equally. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is a classic tactic of the left is they start to lose. They start to want to change the rules. And, and, it, it goes to the electoral college and and all of that as well. They wanted, you know, it, it, Trump lost the popular vote but won the electoral college. So well, he's not a legitimate president. Blah 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 and on and on. You know, what my answer to them has been: hmm. if you're that worried about the, if if it changes your life that much when the president shifts office, the president has too much power. You well, put right. too much power in the executive office. If you followed the yeah. principles and the way the Constitution is laid out, starting in the House. Ratifying in the in the Senate and then coming to the president, the president who is president should be the least of your concern because right. he's just the rubber stamp guy that yeah. you know is pumping out bills. Yeah. So you've put too much power in the executive office. The problem. Well, is, and we have actually. I yeah, mean, in the, in the we federal, have. yeah, we absolutely have. So and here, so here's the other thing, and this is what I tell people: if you want a, the best explanation for how the electoral college is designed and how it works, is right now we're in the middle of baseball uh, playoff season, right? Yes. So Red Sox and the Astros. Brewers and the Dodgers. Um, th- essentially, the the way the electoral college works is, if you win four out of seven games, you win the World Series. Now, let's just say in Game One, the Red Sox beat the Astros thirty-five to nothing. Mm-hmm. But then the Astros or the the Red Sox win no more games or and score no more runs, but the Astros only score five runs in the next four games to mm-hmm. win. Well, they've only scored five runs. Mm-hmm. Well, the Red Sox scored 35 runs. They should win the World Series. But they don't yeah. because it doesn't matter how many runs you score. Right. It matters how many games you win. Right. And that's exactly what the Electoral College is. The popular vote is how many runs you've scored, mm-hmm. and the and the Electoral College is how many games you've won. Right. And that's exactly what it comes down to. So, anyway, I, I want to touch on one last thing here before we uh, before we wrap things up. Um, you know, Noah, you and I might have to do shows together more often. Anytime. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so, there's a story out of um, Portland, Oregon, which Portland is is on the verge of of <laughs> California. Soci- I, I well. It's on the verge of societal collapse. Oh. It really is. I mean, they, they they are there's there's literally you know feces in the streets, running in the gutters, and I mean everything about Portland. And I actually did an interview with Todd Herman. Um, oh, Seattle, sure. yeah, yeah, Seattle's yeah. even worse. Todd Herman is a he's a talk show host out of out of Seattle, uh, Oregon or Seattle, Washington. And see the guy that fills in for Limbaugh. Yeah, he fills okay. in for Limbaugh once yeah. in a while. So yeah, I actually did an interview with him here. I don't know. Six months ago, something like that, on my terrestrial show, mm-hmm. and uh, he, you know, he talks Seattle, Portland, Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon. They're, they're both on the verge of societal collapse because of the the radical leftism that is that is overrunning these cities. And so there was a, a huge brawl broke out Saturday night in in Oregon mm-hmm. at a at a patriot what's called a patriot prayer rally. Now. If you watch the video, um, it's essentially just it is a, it's a riot. I mean, there's kicking and fighting and punching and and the police show up and and there's pepper spray and all kinds of crazy chaos that has taken over. Mm-hmm. And it was because the Antifa people essentially 
um, decided that they didn't want to be civil anymore. Right. And if we remember the words of Hillary Clinton from earlier last week, when she said, uh, you know, we no longer have to be civil. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have mentioned in the past on my terrestrial show, and I, I think I may have even touched on it in an episode or two here, I don't believe that there is going to be a civil war like we saw in the the 1860s, you know, the mm-hmm. the the South against the North and, and all of this kind of thing. Um, I don't think it's going to be a geographical thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be the bloody civil war where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are killed. Right. Um, but there, I believe, is a coming civil war in this country. Really? Yeah. And, and, and I believe it's going to be more of a societal war, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, it, it, a culture war, if you will. And here's, here's what those of you on the right need to be aware of. And, and those on the left need to kind of understand what is happening. We, we on the right have historically have the guns, right? And I know that's a little bit, (laughs) I know that's a little bit cliche, but we do. I mean, if, if my, if my neighborhood leftist came and attacked my home, he would not stand much of a chance. I literally have a couple thousand rounds of shotgun ammo, mm-hmm. several hundred rounds of AR-15 ammo, several hundred rounds of 9mm ammo, 380 ammo. I mean, I, if I have a gun in my home, mm-hmm. I have several hundred rounds of ammo for that gun. Right. Um, my, my run-of-the-mill leftist neighbor does not have a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so as cliche as that sounds, it's true. So here's here's what I'm concerned about is that there will be a war a societal war some sort of civil war and again I'm not talking like you know the civil war like we saw in the 1860s I don't think it's going to be like that um but if there is a war of aggression if you look around the country and you watch what's happening at these various rallies and events the war of aggression is not from the right it is not from the people with the weapons. No, not at all. The war of aggression is though is from the left, and and here's here's the 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 very uh, concerning part for me is I've said many times on my terrestrial show, you'll hear me say it here on the podcast several times. If if you come after me, you will face opposition. Right. And, yeah. and that's that is not. I a th- put that. I put that yep. front door for there for your protection, yep. not mine. That is not a threat. That is not a. That is not a. A some sort of macho statement. Well, it's just a fair warning. Right. Exactly. And if you if you put me or my family in danger, you will face opposition, and it will be a firm opposition. And so, for those on the left that are considering this kind of action, be aware that the right will not go quietly into the night. And and be aware, on the right, you may need to protect yourself from this kind of aggression in the future. So to to that point, I'll go on the record and make a and make a prediction. Okay. You see, these people on the left that are calling for violence, calling for people to harass senators and 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 all of these people that are that are anybody that has any sort of affiliation with the president, they call for harassment and this that, and the other. 
And in California and in New York and in New Jersey and in Chicago, you can get away with that. You can go ahead and punch somebody for wearing a Make America Great Again hat and, and you might get away with it. Mm-hmm. But one of these days, some of these Antifa people, some of these left wing extremists, they're right. going to do it to the wrong person. The and Occupy the, and the wrong Wall Street state group and at the wrong time. And it's not going to end well. Yeah. And someone's going to get hurt or killed. Yeah. And, I, you know. I am all for peaceful protest. You absolutely have that right. It's guaranteed yep. to you in this constitution. And I will stand up for you all day long. That is not, that is not, that right does not extend to throwing Molotov cocktails right. through people's windows. It does not extend to flipping people's cars over. I saw on Facebook the other day, guy I graduated from high school with, guy I, I had a lot of respect for, um, and he said something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing here, Vote loudly, and if that doesn't work, start throwing Molotov cocktails. Mm. And if that's really their tactic, come November, we're going to try and vote. And if we can't get enough people to agree with us, then we're going to resort to violence. Yeah. Like you said, it won't end well. You know, the vast majority of the U.S. Special Forces side with conservatives. They have conservative ideology, right? right? So the people with the guns and the training, all those guys have a deep sense of patriotism and a deep respect for the Constitution, so that's what you're up against. Yep. Yeah, and and I think Hillary Clinton, with her statement saying, how can you be civil to a party that wants to destroy everything you stand for? So I think what Hillary was saying is that we as conservatives no longer have to be um, civil to leftists. And and I want to point out, for those that, that listen to the podcast, I subscribe to uh, Ben Shapiro's view that I don't believe that what we are seeing in the Democrat Party today is is liberalism. What we are seeing in the yeah. Democrat Party in the mainstream Democrat Party is leftism. There is a yes. I think a considerable yeah. difference between a classical liberal and a and a leftist. I, d- I don't call them liberals anymore. No, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I've started. To, I say either the progressive left or the radical left because it is not fair to people that believe in liberty. It's not fair right. to Democrats because I don't think that I I agree with you. I don't think the vast majority of people are that progressive left. I don't think that majority of people are democrats i think or the majority of people are democrats i think that it's a it's a it's a it's a very loud vocal minority right that is a part of this extreme yeah, john adams would have been considered a classical liberal right you know so that that is i always try to to put that in a little bit of historical perspective uh thomas jefferson would have been considered a a a stout and and firm conservative bordering on on libertarian yeah um, right and john adams would have been considered more of the the classical classical liberal do you, how long do we have we got a couple uh, minutes yeah we can keep going so there is a uh, if you think about it, if you if you take a, a quadrant right you take four four right. squares left we'll call them upper left upper right lower left lower right look at any given issue and what you'll find is you can find people on both sides depending on how they look at it will will meet in the middle right so take uh take prostitution for example okay you'll get the people in one corner that will say on the far right i believe in prostitution because consenting adults should be able to do whatever they want right but you also have people on the right that will say prostitution is bad because the bible says it's bad and we should that's not you know whatever right then you've got people on the left that say prostitution is freedom you know of adults and sexual freedom and sexual liberty and all that stuff just have people on the left that say 
people shouldn't use women as meat, you know? Right. And so if you actually start breaking down those issues, if you get away from the extreme crazy, right. what you'll find is we actually agree on more stuff than, than the media would like you to believe. Yeah. A lot of us can come together, to, uh, aside from just the far left and the far right, and we can come together on some of those issues. Now there's a couple of them, like guns, that we're just, there's a hard line in the right. sand and we're just going to yeah. polarize on it. Yeah. But I think a lot of those issues, I think we can find some common ground. If we actually had a rational, open discussion and it, we weren't talking about cutting penises off and transgender bathrooms and all this other crazy nonsense. Oh, speaking of that. So I watch, I started watching last week or two weeks. You're not going to tell me you're becoming a woman, are you? No, a couple. No, (laughs) I like being a man. All right. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I really quite enjoy having a penis. (laughs) I I did. I'm not, I don't even feel bad about it a little bit. Um, so I was, (laughs) that's a discussion. Nobody wants to go. I was just going to say, Oh, Hey, we got, um, we sorry, we have a hundred. <laughs> we have like all kinds of messages over here on the uh, free note chat room that I haven't been paying attention to. So, um, yeah, I'm, we're not going to ha- be able to get to these. Um, but I, so I started watching last night, or, or not, sorry, not last night, last week, a couple of weeks ago. I started watching this television show, The Good Doctor. Have you seen this? I haven't. So, The Good Doctor is uh, the story of. A a an autistic kid who becomes a surgeon makes it through okay. medical school. He's a, he's got savant syndrome or whatever, right? Super sure. smart, um, and it's a fantastic show. There the the actor who plays Doctor Sean Murphy, mm-hmm. who's obviously a fictional. It's not a true story. It's not based on anything right, like that. It's right. just a a fictional drama story. But um, the the actor who plays Doctor Sean Murphy does a fantastic job. Because as you watch the show, there are times where you like almost want to cry because mm-hmm. you feel bad for him. But then there's other times where you're like, all right, I get you're autistic, but that's an overreaction. Knock it off. <laughs> like you get annoyed. Yeah, like yeah. you genuinely yeah. get annoyed. Like <laughs> like most people would yep. in a real situation right. with someone who is genuinely autistic. Right. You genuinely, okay, look, I feel bad for you. I understand. But all right, that's enough. You know, like there's, there's you know, anybody who's honest with themselves. Yeah, sure. Knows that there's a, a range of emotions no, that we're come. We're human, with. yeah, exactly. I have a friend whose son has autism, and mm-hmm. she would probably tell you the same time, the same thing. Hey, there's times where, like, you know, I feel bad. He's my son. He's got autism, but there's also times where I'm going, all right, knock it off. Yeah, you know. But I mean, so, you know, the, the truth anyway. of the matter is, my kids don't have autism, and I react the same way. <laughs> right? Right? So, so anyway, so this, this I started watching the show last night. Was episode that I watched was like episode fourteen or fifteen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They bring in a child who appears to be a girl and needs a some sort of having, having abdominal pain or whatever it was, right? And the doctors begin the examination and they pull back the the um, the robe or whatever. And Doctor Sean Murphy, as the autistic, goes, "She's not a girl. That's a penis." <laughs> And and so you get this, but they get into this whole thing, and it becomes the argument, and and it's. I'm like, come on, it's a fantastic show. Do we really need to bring this into it? Do we really need to get like? I, I almost quit watching because you know, I get okay. so sick and tired. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate on that one. All right. So, I- I- any good TV show should be modeling what is happening 
in real life, right? Yeah. If you have, if you're going to make a TV show about an autistic doctor, then you better have realistic patients coming through the door. And the reality is, if you're in the right area of the country, I don't know where the show takes place. If you're right in the area in the country, San Jose, California. There you go. <laughs> the chances of any doctor not running into a transgender person in San Jose, California, over any given period of time, is probably slim to none. I let's be honest about it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So. So anyway, it just it's it was uh, it's a fantastic show. I love watching the show, but I, I like I, I I turn on TV to escape yeah. the world of politics. Well, there's the, some of that, uh, and and I get the reality part of it, and I, and actually I'll I'll concede that yeah, I agree it should pay attention to what's happening in the culture, but it's like. I, I just get tired of the politics. It, there's uh, like, I, so do you remember the TV show designated survivor? Yes. Kiefer Sutherland? Love 24. Yep. I started watching designated <laughs> survivor and it was fantastic. The first season. Yep. Until the end, the last couple of episodes. And it turned out that the bad guys were a bunch of, you know, far right wing nuts that, and it was, it yeah. just, it's, it's just, it's, do you, have you ever seen Homeland? No. So Homeland is a show. It came out, um, I think, early two thousands, and it's a it's a it's a very realistic show. Okay. The 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 writer of the show or the designer or something whoever somebody very high up uh, is a former um, operator in the CIA. Oh, okay. And so he made a television show about the CIA, but he wanted it to be a realistic show because the reality is everybody thinks of the CIA, they think of James Bond, and the reality is that all of the people it's a much dirtier business. The guys that are actually the agents are mm-hmm. simply running. You know, are simply, I guess, op, whatever, whatever they call them. Operators. Yeah, are running the agents, which are just turned people that they find dirt. They dig up dirt on people and say, oh. well, you work for this country, so now you're going to work for us and feed us information. And so the show has a, is a more or less, from what I understand, a more or less realistic take on the CIA. But one of the things they do, the writers write based on current events. Mm. And so they, they have Alex Jones. It's not Alex Jones. Right, they call but him somebody got else, a, they've got but it's an totally Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Right. And and to watch that unfold because they they can do things in in the land of drama and in the land of the make believe that we can't really do. Like where does Alex Jones let's say let's just say some of the stuff Alex Jones says was true. Right. Where would that go? What happens when an entire society goes all our news organizations have lied to us, and this is one guy who is everybody hates him because he's this hate mongering guy that has a webcam. What does that look like? And the show portrays it, and it's very cool. Hmm. Um, so it would probably offend you in the same way that obviously it, it has that same thing of like the you know the far right is this mul- anti right. is this militia yeah. every, thing that is every trying to television kill every television show yeah. I've watched in the last ten years has portrayed people who believe like me as crazy. Right, yeah. And people who 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 are on the left as the only rational ones in the room. Right. And that's just it is so vehemently untrue that it's just frustrating to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyway, the the although I have to I have to give them a little bit of credit because they they portray Dr. Murphy, the autistic kid, as like well, and he actually says yeah. there's a quote in the in the in the episode. He actually says, "No, she's not a girl. Yeah. She has an XX chromosome like you." And he points to a female doctor, not an X chromo- XY chromosome like me. And mm. you know, so yeah. But then, of course, by the end of the show, he becomes enlightened and all of that, and he admits that she's actually a girl, and it just that. 
It just kills me. Well, if not, I want to identify as uh, 65 years old. Well, so that's the other thing. And, and I don't have time. We're, we're way over time. It doesn't matter anymore <laughs> at this point. The, the, that's the other thing. The, do you remember the story about two, three years ago, two years ago, whatever, the, the guy in Canada is like 55 years old. And, and um, I de- decided to identify as a six-year-old girl. That's and, disgusting. And left his wife, left his kids, okay. and became and decided he was going to identify himself as a uh, identify as a six year old girl, mm. and went to go live like a family adopted him. Okay. And he is living life as a five or six year old girl. Okay, that's weird. So here's the next dangerous thought, right? So if he if he's a six year old girl, and we can't question that, right? Right. That's because we don't get to question identity. Right. Oh, and I also believe all women. And, and believe all a women. Six year old girl. So, so he's a six year old girl. Yeah. So. What happens when he decides he wants to go to kindergarten? And yeah, and, that's man. I mean, where do you where do you, where draw, do you draw the, the line? line? Yeah, like I I hate the slippery slope argument because it's usually just a um it, you know it's usually a a, fa- a false argument. I don't know about that. But, I, I think it's always good to take things to their logical conclusion. But this is a I mean this like what happens when he says, "Hey, I'm really a six year old girl. Yep. I need to do what six year old girls do." I want to go to kindergarten and I want to be invited to sleepovers with other six-year-old girls and I right. want to play on the playground with other six-year-old girls and, and all of those sorts of things. Where do you stop that and go, nah, all right, dude, I got it. Yeah. You're a freak. Yeah, I mean, but hey, you know what? You, you, got, don't get a, you don't get to hang out with other six-year-old girls. I was just going to say, here's the thing. It, it consent- you can play dress up all you want. Exactly. Yeah. Consenting adults, if that's what gets your rocks off, hey, yep. listen, it's a free country. You only got one yep. life. Live it however you want. You want to walk around in six-year-old clothes not or six-year-old girl clothes or whatever? If you can fit them on, go for it. But- Stay away from my actual six-year-old. Yep. Heck, <laughs> heck, if you want to have cl- clothes custom tailored yeah, exactly. to make you, yeah, fine. Sure. Yeah, you, you whatever you. floats your boat, yeah, you know, exactly. I, none of my business. But where I draw the line is I've got a six-year-old girl in mm-hmm. in the local elementary school, yeah. and you don't get to be anywhere near her because, right. let's be honest, you've got you're a, a mental delusion <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you're a freak. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but that's exactly, right. you know. If you want to fly that freak flag, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. But you don't get to fly it around other people. Yeah. So nope, I agree. Anyway, that with that, we should probably wrap things up here on the uh, on the Schmidt Show. Thanks um, for having me, man. I thank appreciate you it. For, for I don't know what's going on. I got all kinds of stuff here. Um, thank you for joining me today. I wanted to do this because it's a long story that nobody cares about, but I have more fun, and I feel like the 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 Schmidt Show is going to be a little bit more interesting to listen to. When I can interact, and sure. and as we're growing, and you know, I, I, I wasn't paying attention, but I, I don't, I haven't had any phone calls um, to the Schmidt Show because, you know, it's this, it's a podcast first sure. of all, so I understand that we're doing it live. So, to me, this is a way that I can interact with with the audience and and um, just make things a little bit more interesting. So, with that, we will see you next week. I'm Brad Schmidt. It's the Schmidt Show.